This episode was recorded live at Book Riot Live and might have a little more explicit language and content than usual, so consider yourself warned. Okay then, enjoy the show. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a bi-weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode six, and we are recording a special episode on Sunday, November 8th at Book Riot Live! Yay, thanks for clapping, I was worried. (laughs) I am Amanda Nelson, your host and the managing editor of Book Riot, and I'm here with New York Times and USA Today best-selling author, Sarah McLean. Thank you for being here. So excited. Uh, McLean is the author of historical romances and a monthly romance review column at the Washington Post, celebrating the best of the romance genre. She's the recipient of back-to-back Rita Awards for Best Historical Romance of the Year from the Romance Writers of America. All right, I have to, before we get started, I have to thank BookWitty. Shout out BookWitty for sponsoring everything that's going on this weekend at Book Riot Live. At BookWitty, you can not only find out about new books, but also connect with other readers and explore books and ideas together. So you can check it out at bookwitty.com or just go down to their table. People who are listening to this cannot go to their table. The people who are here right now can go down to their table, which is on the first floor. Um, And one more sponsor of the show is Bats of the Republic by Zachary Thomas Dodson. This is from Penguin Random House and is in the back for all of you to take and it's very pretty. It's super fancy. I almost just said an F word. I have to remember I'm recording. It's super fancy. Um, It's an illuminated novel of adventure featuring hand-drawn maps and natural history illustrations, pamphlets. It has like a letter in here that it says do not open, so I didn't open it because I didn't, I don't know if this is my copy, but it's rad. It's got a letter you can open and lots of illustrations and drawings. It's really cool. Um, So synopsis, in 1843, Fragile naturalist Zadok Thomas must leave his beloved in Chicago to deliver a secret letter to an infamous general on the front lines of the war over Texas. The fate of the volatile republic along with his future depends on his mission, but when a cloud of bats leads him off the trail, he happens upon something impossible. And then it fast forwards to 300 years later when the world has collapsed and the remnants of humanity cling to a strange society of paranoia as you would do after being led astray by a cloud of bats. Zeke Thomas has inherited a sealed envelope from his grandfather and esteemed senator, and when that letter goes missing, he engages in fomenting a rebellion that could free him if it doesn't destroy his relationship and his family and his entire republic first. So there's lots of like overlapping history, uh, time eruptions, lost civilizations, forgotten future. So it's historical fiction, dystopia, bananas, illuminated novel, which is super rad, and you are all free to take one. So thank you so much to Bats of the Republic from Penguin Random House for sponsoring the show. And let's get started talking about some sexy books. Yay! Thank you for joining me, Sarah McLean. For you, those of you who don't know how this podcast works, this is a write-in recommendation. So, so you can send rec- recommendation requests to me on Twitter at I'm Amanda Nelson. You can email them to us at getbookedatbookriot.com. Uh, or there's a form on the website, uh, bookriot.com slash getbooked, where you can drop your uh, request. This is an all-romance show because Sarah is here. So these questions that we're going to answer today are all from listeners who want romance recommendations. And it's all, we're gonna talk about historicals, we're gonna talk about erotica, we're gonna talk about slash and contemporaries and everything. So normally we do six questions in an hour, we have 10. So we are going to power through these questions today and I've limited us to two, maybe three each. I don't know, we'll see how it goes. At the end, if we have time, which is not guaranteed, but if we have time, then we'll take audience questions. If we don't get around to it, Sarah will be out here immediately after doing her signing, and you can ask her questions there. Or and you can it ask is me. my favorite thing in the world to talk about. Yeah, and I'll be around. You can ask me whenever. So, yeah, all right, let's get started. Uh, I will, the first two questions are about diversity in romance. The first one is diversity of character. The second one is diversity of author, and we are going to talk about both. So question one. 
I'm trying to read more diverse romances and I'm looking for recommendations. I primarily read historicals, but will also read contemporary. My favorite romance authors include Courtney Milan, Tessa Dare, Sarah McLean, Rose Lerner, Meredith Duran, and Laura Florin. I love Jeannie Lynn's Tang Dynasty romances and would love to find more like them, but have not had any success. I've read Beverly Jenkinson's books. I am looking for romances with characters of color, characters who are not Christian, characters with disabilities, etc. This was not signed, but thank you for writing in. So why don't you get started? Because I've been talking for like five minutes and I'm done. So this is, uh, like every question that we had about diversity, we have two questions, three questions, three million questions about diversity. <laughs> All of them. Romance. And every time, and I feel like it's a litany this whole weekend, but like I literally would write in the Google Doc like, uh, publishing. Yes. Right? Because, uh, publishing. Um, but so broadly, this question sounds historical to us. Yeah. So that makes it even harder almost. But um, there are a few people who are like terrific examples of this. Um, first of all, I, there's, a, there's an anthology called um, The Brightest Day, which is a Juneteenth anthology. Um, and there is a tremendous novella. It's a four tr wonderful, wonderful writers, but there is specifically a tremendous novella inside there um, that is historical 1960s, Ooh. American 1960s. Um, the heroine is uh, a young African-American on the front lines of, she's, she's very prim and proper, but she decides she's going to, um, join the fight for civil rights, and the hero is a Jewish-American boxer whose, um, whose family escaped the Holocaust and came to America. It is tremendously beautiful. It's written before interracial marriage could happen in the South. Um, it's written by a woman named Alyssa Cole, who I'm also going to talk about later, but this is um, the, it has a lovely forward by Beverly Jenkins, who was mentioned, and I just underscore, underscore Beverly, if you've yeah. never read her. She's here, too. At Book Right Live around, so she writes American historical set in sort of Reconstruction era South. Um, but she, Alyssa's terrific. And then what do we do? Do we trade yeah, off? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, we can. Okay. Trade off. Um, so this person asked for uh, characters of color, characters who are not Christian, and characters with disabilities. So I have one for each, even though I just said three seconds ago that I would only talk about two. But it's I got the mic, yo. Whatever. <laughs> Um, so for characters with disabilities, I really loved uh, The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie, which is by Jennifer Ashley. And this is such a fascinating, it's a historical regency, which is a double, whatever, repeating itself. What is the word I'm looking for? When I think, whatever. Redundant, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's a regency and the, the hero is on the autism spectrum. They never name that because obviously there was no word for that then. They just call him mad. But he has such... He's so different from any other romance hero. Like he doesn't understand facial expressions. He doesn't understand humor or sarcasm. So there's almost no banter because he doesn't get it. Like there's no, he doesn't like looking people in the eye. So he never looks at the heroine really, uh, except, I'm not gonna spoil it. Anyway, he doesn't, he doesn't. Uh, I think they can on. guess. I think, <laughs> guys, they get it, okay? <laughs> the hero and the heroine gets them. So, and then he looks at her. And it's smoking hot. It's so, yeah, but it's so fascinating to read about this character because the thing that I love, my favorite thing in romance is banter and also in life. And so <laughs> it's, it just like captured me so intensely despite the fact that it didn't have my particular kryptonite in the, in the book because she, she writes him so well and it's so humanizing. And I don't mean that to say that like there aren't other books out there that don't humanize people on the autism spectrum, but she does it so nicely, and he deserves to be happy, and I just love him a lot, guys. <laughs> okay, go. Um, I would just, like, 
co- these are not my these are not my official official <laughs> books, but I would also say like if that is a type that you are interested in, mm-hmm. um, Laura Kinsale's Flowers uh, from the Storm is like the seminal old school romance text um, with an autistic hero, and it is uh, the hero's had a stroke, but he is. Um, he has kept all of his math, and so it is a remarkable, remarkable book. Beautifully done. A little can be a little wordy for modern readers, but it's a classic old school. And then um, Pamela Morsey's Simple Jess, the hero, the hero of Simple Jess, is um, uh, he's Simple Jess. He's a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful character who just deserves to be loved and it's a remarkable American historical but my choice is um, I'm sort of mixing it up Um, Think of England by K.J. Charles I love that book so much yeah I um, so this was you know the the question was about all sorts of diversity and this has a kind of twofold diversity first of all it's male male historical which is um, like it really really fun and interesting to read because it didn't really exist before and now it does and it's awesome and I always think of Oscar Wilde and it's Victorian and it's really fun and um, one of the heroes Daniel is Jewish and like super sexy and awesome it. and like classic like <laughs> very comfortable with being male male in Victorian England and it's awesome and the other hero Archie um, is a war hero um, and not kind of coming into his identity coming, coming into coming coming out. into coming out um and he's missing fingers and like he's really wrecked and the two of them together are pretty pretty awesome because daniel is straight up oscar wilde in my head yeah totally yeah okay is it my turn i guess yeah, yeah. all right so for a character who is we're uh, doing three we're doing three yeah right. well i guess mm-hmm. sure whatever uh characters who are not christian i picked a bed of spices by barbara samuel this is an older a medieval historical romance featuring a heroine who is a Christian and is a, in a, a like a princess in a Germanic country and, you know, like daughter of the Lord of the Manor. And she falls in love with Solomon, who is a Jewish physician in her village. And the problem there, obviously, is that like the inter-religion romance was not cool, but to the point where they could have been killed, like they could have been executed if they were caught. And the, it's set during the Black Plague, and during that time, um, a lot of officials were blaming Jews for the Black Plague and were rounding them up and burning them alive. So the book is about their romance and like surviving, but not just surviving like my daddy doesn't like my boyfriend, but surviving like we could be executed in the square if anyone ever discovers that we're in love. And their love is very... Um, intense as it has to be, but like there's secret meetings in the forests. They're like, oh, okay, I guess I guess we're gonna have to try to not get poison ivy now, you know. So <laughs> it runs this gamut of emotions from very sweet to like very steamy to like, oh god, they're gonna die. What's gonna happen? And then you start like your edge of your seat. So I don't know. It's not technically suspense, but I found it very suspenseful, and I liked it a lot. And I learned about a period of history I had no familiarity with at all. So despite this question being about historicals, I always like to say, like, romance is so broad, there's so many different subcategories of it, that if you really think you're not into one of the subcategories, you really should try something new. Like, if you've only ever read historicals, you should try something new. So my suggestion to this person is that she tries Sonali Dev, um, whose uh, most recent book is called The Bollywood Bride, and I think is a really beautifully, I, I put it on my list um, of one of the best romances for the year for the Washington Post, and the reason why is because I think it is so totally 
totally um, important. Uh, the, the heroine is a Bollywood star who uh, grew up kind of half in Chicago, half in India. Um, her family, her mother is mentally ill and um, is committed to a sanitarium um, when she's a child. And the family, because of cultural, um, just cultural constraints, the family is essentially shunned by their society. And so she's created, she's made this a secret, this is her biggest secret, her, her mother, and she's terrified that she will become, um, that she will fall victim to the same illness. Um, so she's really just closed off. It's a, it's a beautiful book about love and forgiveness and forgiveness of self and coming to terms with um, your own sort of past and your own fears. And it's just, it just, I think, shows how, what romance can do for people and what romance can be as a book. Yeah, I saw, that was actually my pick, too, for the next one. So second, Sonali Dove. The thing I love about her books is that her characters are very, um, I don't want to say dark, but they have a lot of darkness that they're working through. And uh, a lot of their rela- the relationship, the central relationship in the book is, uh, is so much about the two of them working through their personal darkness, which I'm here for. I'm here for some personal darkness, as I'm sure is apparent. Uh, all right, so that's, that's that question. Are we good? Move on to next? Yeah. Okay. All right, so the next question is uh, about diversity of author. Uh, let's see, this is from Megan. I'm somewhat new to romance. I'm finding it a bit hard to find many people of color who write romance. I only know of Beverly Jenkins and Sonali Dove. Are, they any, are there any POC authors in the Regency romance subgenre? I love your work and can't wait for the... Oh, that's... Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Okay. <laughs> that's not about this question. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> All right, you go ahead. You go first. Oh, uh, okay. You were unprepared to go first. I was unprepared to go first, but okay, um, yes. Well, let's start with Courtney Milan, who I think is very... So, okay, part of the problem with Regency subgenre is um, historical romance is mostly British said. It's mostly said in the 19th century. Regency is sort of a fluid term for us. Um, you know, if you want to geek out about it, I can, but um, <laughs> I'm going to include Victorian in yeah. here just because it makes it easier to answer the question and also... Yeah, you should read historicals in general. So um, I'm going to talk about Courtney. Courtney's just brilliant. I mean, she's super, her books are so feminist. She's a um, highly skilled lawyer in real life. And so um, she spends a lot of time talking about the kind of obscurities of, um, you know, inheritance law and like, (laughs) which sounds not exciting, but like she, but it adds so much conflict and layering to the stories that you sort of realize why two people, two seemingly perfect people for each other just couldn't possibly be together. Um, the book that I would recommend is sort of out of order in her series. You should read anything by her, but The Suffragette Scandal is my favorite, favorite of all of her books. It's about suffrage. Um, it's also, it's, I mean, the, her heroes are always, you know, really beautifully broken. They're usually, um, you know, she's the author who I trust to write me a virgin hero. Ha, yeah. Like, um, you know, or uh, heroes of all, of all ilks. Um, so, Courtney. I agree. I second that. Um, she is it is it this one? I'm like on Goodreads looking up stuff trying to remember what I read of hers. Uh, yeah, The Countess Conspiracy is my favorite. She has a series called The Brothers Sinister, and The Countess Conspiracy is about a woman who is a scientific genius, but she can't you know like come out and talk about it because it's Victorian England. Um, so her best friend, who's a guy, is pretending to be like the front for her genius and like presents all of her papers and presents her her work as his own, with her permission, so that it gets out there, 
Um, but then he decides he doesn't want to do it anymore, and she has, she has like this like breakdown, and then he decides he's in love with her, so she breaks down some more, and it's just like this whole like spiral of breaking down that's just amazing, and there, that is like some smoking sex, I tell you what, in that book, it is smoking hot. Okay, so um, my first pick for this is the For Love and Liberty anthology, and the reason why I'm going with an anthology here is because it's got four or five authors in it that you can then go off to explore more of, so it's a great starting place, and. Um, like Sarah was saying, Regency is like a weird, sometimes it's used synonymously for historical or like just shit in the past. Oh, I said, oh, whatever, stuff in the past. <laughs> and the For Love and Liberty anthology is about the American Revolution um, and the untold stories of the American Revolution. So there's a romance between a British soldier and a Native American girl. Um, there's a male-male romance between a white um, kind of like a society dandy and a freed black man who is posing as his servant but is actually his partner. And then the war breaks out and he has to, they have to figure out what that means for, for their relationship together. Um, let's, there's a romance about a Jewish family living in Philadelphia and they're all very deeply based on, on historical fact. So the point of the anthology is to tell the love stories of, of the people who haven't had their love stories told up until this point. And I love the American Revolution. I mean, like if you're into Hamilton, I feel like this will be great for you. Um, I listened to the, the, the cut John Adams rap all morning to like get ready for Booker <laughs> yeah, Sit down, John Adams. Anyway, uh, and so the authors from that anthology are very diverse. Alyssa Cole, who we've already talked about as one, and Lena Hart and Kate McCurry. So um, yeah, do check that out. I think it's self-published, but I'm not 100% sure about that, but you can get it on Amazon. Oh, I'm getting a confirmation. It is self-published. It's awesome. Your turn. <laughs> um, okay, so I am all, so like I said, yeah, I know you like historicals, but I'm going to give you somebody who's a contemporary who I have just discovered and I love. Um, Zoraida Cordova is an Ecuadorian-American uh, contemporary writer. She writes new adult and YA, and she is totally amazing, and I don't know how I only just discovered her like a month ago. Um, her new adult series is called On the Verge. It's sort of, a new adult's a really funny term, and I wish we would just get rid of it. It's contemporary romance. Um, the, it's called On the Verge is the series. The first book in the series is Luck on the Line. Um, it's a chef romance. I'm sort of a, like, I'm basically a sucker for, like, anybody in the kitchen. Like, I know. Like, man, you know, they go into that job. Giant freezer, and I'm like, I do not care. They nice inspection. I do not care. Like, do not care. So, um, um, and she, she, it's a, um, you know, her husband, her mother is a, um, really different. Her mother is a. It's like, like a, a, a like Martin Stewart, Stewart, Stewart slash Holiday and like, like celebrity, celebrity like face of, of food, food and home. And, and, and uh, she's and hired this like super, super hot chef to run the kitchen of her first like boutique New York City restaurant and it's awesome. And um, I think Zoraida is really talented and I can't wait to read what she writes next. Okay, uh, my last pick for this one is Not Quite a Husband. It's by Sherry Thomas. This is actually the second in a series, but I don't read series in order because I'm a rebel. Mostly because I don't pay attention in real life and don't like realize it's not the first one. Anyway, um, so not quite, not quite a husband. I have one of my favorite things in romance is broken marriages coming back together. I don't know why, but I just really like it because it takes like some work. Like they gotta power through some shit. I've already said shit, so I'm just gonna say it again. They like have to power through some <laughs> some stuff uh, to get you know the heat back or whatever. So this book is about a woman who 
in Regency England becomes a physician, which is a weird and horrible thing. She's a little bit shunned by society, kind of, but she's got money, so it's cool. And she marries this very popular, charming, lovely man, uh, and then something happens in their marriage to break it, and she runs off. She runs off to India to be a physician and leaves him, and she gets an annulment. And he appears at her doorstep in like this remote Indian village in the middle of a war, um, to deliver a message from her from her family and escort her back to England because there's like a family emergency. And on the journey back, they come back together. I'm sure that's not a spoiler, right? Uh, they come back together and it comes out why their marriage fell apart. And he like has loved her and has been secretly following her around the world this whole time, like to protect her. And I just think that's just so sweet. It's so nice. Um, and like they have great makeup sex. They have great makeup banter. They fight like physically, like brrr. it's just great. It's a very physical book and Sherry Thomas is awesome. Okay, great, moving on. So this is question number three. This was the hardest one for me. Now we're off. I move, I change them, change the order. Uh, So this is the hardest one and I could only find one that I liked. So I want to read some romance erotica. I read Tampa and loved it, which, mm. (laughs) okay. Good for, I mean, I loved it too, but whatever, different reasons. Uh, however, I would like to read something from a male perspective. Uh, you wrote about Priest on the site, and that is on my TBR, but almost all the other male POV stuff I can find is male-male romance. While I have no issue reading male-male romance, I would love to read some male-female from the male perspective. And this one isn't signed either, but so thank you for writing in. Um, I just ahead. want to qualify. It says romance slash erotica. Yeah, yeah. Good. Because <laughs> that's what I... So I read, y'all... I read so much male perspective erotica for this question, and it was hard for me to... (laughs) It's hard to nail. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So I've been waiting to do that this whole time. Um, But one that I did find, it's... Oh, I didn't write down the author. It's called Surviving Rain, R-A-I-N-E. No, I was just going to talk about male POV for a second. Oh, go ahead. While well, I look for a second. So, Laura Kinsale, who I talked about earlier, who's like a doyen of like historical romance and romance in general, um, wrote an amazing essay in an old anthology called Dangerous Men, Adventurous Women. Like, now we're down the rabbit hole. Do it. Like, so, um, which, is, which was written in the early 90s by a, it was sort of spearheaded by Jane Ann Krentz, who's also, I mean, a lot of these names are going to be like big names in old romance, old romance. Jane would not appreciate being called that because she writes still, but um, you know, like these, these like big, big, the big names that we all cut our teeth on in romance. And Laura Kinsale wrote this tremendous piece in that anthology where she talks about the fact that as romance readers, typically, um, while we, yes, of course, think of ourselves as the heroine, what we're really reading for is the hero's POV. Mm. Um, and that's because we like the moment as women, right? And we're talking about a genre that's widely written by women, for women, about women. Mm. As women, what we like... Um, is the idea of the person who loves us like breaking down, being willing to give up absolutely everything that is important to him or her in order to sacrifice for us. And so the moment the hero sacrifices for us is the moment that we as readers like really commit to the book. Yeah. Um, go. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So this book that I found that I actually really loved, uh, it's called Surviving Rain by Shay Savage. And this is some dark shit, let me tell you. Okay. If you like super sweet, nice, fuzzy, warm, not the thing for you. Uh, the hero who is, the perspective is from, so awkwardly worded, uh, is an alcoholic. He's got a horribly traumatic past, horribly traumatic. Like every bad thing that can happen to a human person has happened to this guy. Um, he 
The thing that, I'm about to rant. The thing that I think bugs me a little bit about a lot of the male perspective romance that I read is that they're very arrogant. Like, it's very much like, I'm a successful business person who every woman I meet and, you know, everybody wants me and whatever. And that's cool. Like, I can get with some confidence, but I don't want to hear it in your head. Like, I don't want to hear you talking about yourself for 400 pages. Um, But this hero is not like that. He does not think he deserves love. He does not think that he uh, deserves happiness. He's trying to kill himself slowly with alcohol. This book is Castaway meets Leaving Las Vegas, if that makes sense. Because he's the (laughs) captain of a ship. The ship sinks, and he is stuck on a raft with one of the passengers, who is a young woman. obviously, uh, and they're, they're marooned on this raft for a couple of days, and then they hit land, and they're marooned at an island for a few months by themselves, and so there's, there are no other people. The conflict in this book is all about him dealing with his stuff with her, and the relationship is not healthy. He detoxes on the boat, and when he's in, like, a delirium tremors moment of, ha- like, hallucinating, he hits her, so if that's a thing, there's, like, trigger warning there. He hits her. He doesn't... Um, he doesn't try to justify it. He feels, very, he feels bad about it when he realizes what he's done after he comes out of it, but it's there. The moment is there. Uh, and then he becomes very de- dependent on her. He replaces, I think, in the book, he replaces alcohol with this woman who he loves now and who he thinks is going to save her. So, I mean, like, the sex is awesome in the book, which I feel like I have to say. <laughs> but I, and I really deeply, en- not enjoyed, that's a weird word, uh, appreciated... I liked it. I just liked it. I mean, you root for him. And that's, it's such a triumph that he's such a jerk. And you know he's a jerk from the beginning. And he doesn't um, ever try to make you believe that he's anything other than a complete waste of space. But you want him to be happy anyway. And this, I feel like that's such a great thing that the author has managed to do. You want them together. You want them to live and like find water and um and and be together even though you think like wait he's horrible for her like he's an alcoholic and he never stops being an alcoholic and it's just whatever it's weird so it's very i don't know i don't want to make the the distinction between romance and literary because i think that's false but when uh when people say i want a literary romance i think this is kind of what they're looking for when they say that even though that's not real so stop asking me that Um, it's also that self-pub and I think like what's really happening in self-pub romance and I hope it will soon happen in self-pub everywhere is authors are taking real risks Yes, that like publishers wouldn't necessarily like author I mean right I write for a traditional publisher like I might not ever write that book um, because of all sorts of reasons that it feels like you know people along too many people along the line would be too would find it too risky yeah but what self-pub authors are doing is they're saying like well screw that I'm just gonna write it and like people either read it or not read it and there's no skin off my nose and I sort of love that yeah me too um, so my first pick is actually one of the books that's in her TBR pile because she should pull it out and read it already yeah. and I think the reason why Book Riot wrote all about it is because I was like you guys have to read you have to read Priest. Okay. <laughs> um, it is full disclosure. If you were raised Catholic, this is either going to be your catnip or like the most blasphemous thing you have ever read in your life. They do some stuff with altar cloths, like, y'all. How? <laughs> like how? 
like this is 18 and over, right? This totally. podcast. I hope okay, so. <laughs> so. I'm gonna lay it down, you guys. <laughs> so we understand the conflict naturally because the title is Priest, right? Yeah. So it's written. I mean, it's a genius. The author's name is Sierra Simone. It is a genius authorial decision to write this book fully in the first-person POV of the male character because he has literally everything to lose. Mm-hmm. He is a priest. He has committed himself to God. This is not like he's nearly ordained. He is ordained. He has a church. He has a flock. He has a life, right? He is a priest, a Catholic priest. She comes in. She is a woman who is at sea. She has problems. She's been in a terrible relationship. She escaped this relationship. She became a stripper in a high-end strip club. Like, she is not a Catholic, but she comes into the church legitimately seeking truth and, Mm -hmm. like, something new for herself. And she finds him in a confessional, of course. Like you do. And they, like... They immediately fall for each other. Like, this is a romance novel. Mm -hmm. Like, it is erotic romance, but, like, these two are deeply, deeply in love. It is, I was telling somebody, I was out with somebody, I don't know, I say this a lot, but, like, this is is an inspirational romance in a weird way, despite being erotic. Like, there are moments where he is having sex with her in the church, and he has moments where he thinks, like, this is the most present God has ever been with me in this space. Like, it is a beautifully done... Like, Sierra clearly was raised Catholic and, like, has a deep respect for the religion, despite the fact that they do it on the altar, you guys. When there is holy oil? a type of, yeah, like, there is lube that is not actual lube, that is, like, <laughs> The faces in this audience lube. right now are so good. And, I mean, like, I'm texting my sister, like, this is bonkers! And we're both, like, tearing through it, because we were both raised Catholic, and please don't tell my dad. <laughs> Right? Like, it's like vestigial thorn birds crazy here. I mean, it's so good, though. Like, so if you are okay with blasphemy, this book, this book, this book. Do you want to talk about this one, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And then the other one is a contemporary romance. And I want to talk about it because you said, you said, like, I hate the problem with the male POV is, like, so, they're so arrogant. They're so arrogant. Um, Emma Chase's Sustain. Emma Chase writes almost, recently she's been writing almost exclusively male POV contemporary romances. I think they're tremendously charming. I think she really nails the voice of men, Mm -hmm. um, contemporary men. This book, he, this guy is the most arrogant douchebag you have ever (laughs) known in your life, right? Like he's a He's a he's like a highly skilled lawyer, like thinks the world of himself, like thinks he is God's gift to women, and he is pickpocketed by a young child. By like, it, there, it has sort of a historical echo too, which I kind of love. Like he's pickpocketed by a child. He f- takes the child to his home and discovers that this child is an orphan along with five other siblings who have all been orphaned um, and are now in the care of their young single aunt who is, like, kooky and cool, and, like, the house is a total disaster because there are, like, five kids under ten living in there. And she's, and he suddenly, suddenly you're all in the male POV, and suddenly, like, he starts to totally question, like, who he is, why he is, what his life is, like, who this woman is, why he's into her. The sex is terrific, um, and it's just really charming. So if you're a contemporary romance reader, 100% go on Emma Chase. Good Sustained. Sustained. Good segue, because now we're going to talk about contemporaries. Woo. Uh, I recently started reading romance and have had a great time trying new authors in different subgenres. While I find that I have no problem finding great historical romance that is in my wheelhouse, strong female lead, great side characters, steamy and not cheesy sexy times, I haven't had the same luck with contemporary romance. From what I've read so far, I have discovered that I tend to like my contemporaries 
with a good dose of humor. Uh, Suzanne Elizabeth Phillips has been the only author that has consistently written contemporary romance that I enjoy. So if you could help me find a few titles or authors that would write, oh, that write great, funny contemporary, I would be forever grateful. And this is from Amara. So thank you for writing in. You I will go. So my first pick for this is Wallbanger by Alice Clayton. <laughs> and that is not a pun. That is literally what's happening in the book. <laughs> uh, so Romance is awesome. I love the titles, y'all. <laughs> I started reading Romance because of the titles of Sarah McLean's books. They're so good. A pun. I just love a pun. I love a sex pun, apparently. Things I learned about myself. So this is about a, a woman named Carolyn who moves into a new apartment in San Francisco. She's got a great new job as an interior designer. And her neighbor is gone. Like She doesn't see him for a while. When he comes back from wherever he's been, he has all this freaking sex up against her bedroom wall and like will not stop three nights in a row with three different women, as she can tell, because they make three distinctly hilarious noises, the three of them. And so she gets so like fed up with losing sleep over this guy that she, in the middle of one of his sessions, goes next door and like begs on his door and he opens the door and of course he's naked and it's like a, he's like, you know, whatever, hey, and he's got a sheet wrapped around his, his stuff and she starts screaming at him, I am trying to sleep, why is your girlfriend making those meowing noises, how can, what, you know, you're so inconsiderate, I hate you, and she realizes she's wearing like a pink teddy while she's banging on her neighbor's door and he's naked and his girlfriend is in there, whatever, and um, he doesn't, you know, like her, he doesn't appreciate her attitude, they don't get along at first, of course. And then uh, after that, they find out that they run in kind of similar social, circ social circles and start to fall for each other. And the, um, there's a lot of kitchen banter in this book, which I love, because Caroline is, is an excellent cook. So if, if bread is at all sexy to you, you will enjoy this. If bread is not sexy to you, you will read this. And then suddenly bread will take on this whole new sexual dimension <laughs> that you never realized that like a pumpkin loaf could be so Anyway. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's really hot and it's very sweet. And I don't usually do the sweet, like sweet is fine, uh, not for me. But it's very sweet, but it's mixed with this great, just like wicked, awesome wit. They both are very witty and um, dry and sarcastic, which I'm here for. Um, and the sex after the wall situation is awesome. The wall situation is ridiculous. Everything else is great. And that's my first book. Yeah, it's, and it's funny. It is a great read. And also, even if that doesn't sound like your kind of book, just check out the cover of this book. It's <laughs> really terrific. I remember the first time I saw that cover, I was like, how does, like, that is the most genius cover. Now there are a million of them. They're like the legs one. wrapped around. Um, <clears throat> there's a wall. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm going to go with Victoria Dahl on this one because I, Susan Elizabeth Phillips was a great, um, is, is, like her, her joy for me as a reader is she is tremendously laugh out loud funny and like at the same time like deeply thoughtful about how relationships work and I think um, Victoria does this really really well with an added dose of like holy crap this woman writes sex better than most of us yeah. like amazing amazing sex so um, uh, I think that and now of course I don't have the book title is uh, I'm losing the book title in my oh, head, but I will come back around to it. But okay. my, my point about Victoria is she writes um, beautiful, uh, sexy contemporaries that are hilariously funny. Oftentimes, the most recent one, um, the her sorry? Taking the Heat, this is Cunnilingus Gabe. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how she refers to him on Twitter, and frankly, the name is apt. Um, <laughs> 
and the heroine is a virgin, and it's really, um, and it's like such a weird thing for a contemporary romance heroine to be a virgin, um, but she does it so beautifully, like that you fully believe it, and he's just a terrific hero, and I'm such a huge fan of her, and I laugh out loud every time I read her books. Okay, uh, my next pick for this is actually just an author who writes a range of, of stuff in contemporary, uh, and that's Alicia Rye, who I think is here somewhere, or at least She's was here. But, right oh, hi! I'm going to talk about you now. <laughs> there she is. Um, so the first book, they're novellas. The first books that I ever read uh, by Alicia Rye were uh, the Karimi siblings set of novellas, and the first one is called Falling for Him. And I love this book, y'all. I love it so much. So it's about a woman who um, buys a house and then her brother's best friend buys the house behind her. So like their backyards are connected. And he's a doctor. And I think she works in like retail. Um, and he loves this girl so much. Like loves this girl. And she realizes one night, there's a great scene where she's sitting on her back porch. And I think she's like drinking a beer or something. And she realizes she can see him like through his uh, back glass. And he is not worried. <laughs> he's not very clothed. And then she has this moment of like, oh my God, he's a God. Like, look at that man, you know? Um, and he realizes that you, 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 really, you realize this later, and this is kind of a spoiler, but it's a novella, so it's short, so I'm just going to go with it, um, that she's sitting out there. And he's loved her this whole time, and he knows that she's sitting out there. And they're on the phone while this is happening. Like, she's talking to him on the phone while she realizes that she wants to bang him. And um, he starts stripping. Like, I'm going to go take a shower. And he never gives any indication. He knows that she's out there watching him. And, like, so he starts getting naked to get in the shower. And she's talking to him. And, like, her breathing starts to get really heavy. And she's like, okay, I got to go. I got to go. And it's just, like, this great... One of my favorite uh, things in romance are these the moments of sexual tension where there's no touching. I think this is so good. And they're hard to write, right? Because it's not just, like, doing the thing. It's, like, you got to build the tension. And it's so tense and lovely and amazing. And they're... Um, the revelation, the moments of revelation when they realize that they feel the same way about each other are very sweet, but you're here for the sex in this one, like totally. So, and it's funny. They're both really funny, the characters. And the, the, the brother, her brother, who's like very protective, this is her brother's best friend, um, is also a really funny character and he has a book of his own. It's the next one in the quartet, a couplet, whatever. Uh, so yeah, Alicia Rye. Yay. Yay, Alicia. She's yeah. great. Thanks also, for coming. Her forever. most recent book, Serving Pleasure, is so good and you can buy it here. Yeah. Um, Unless you're online, and then you can buy it wherever you are. Wherever you are. Um, so my next choice, because often, I mean, like, we joke about sex and romance, and we talk about sex and romance, and, like, sex and romance is very important, but you don't have to love sex books in order to love romance. And so my second recommendation is Kristen Higgins, who um, is, I think, tremendously funny. She writes small-town contemporaries set in New England. Um, she is... Her characters are really just... Uh, beautifully drawn, um, just so real, and they are also at the same time like slapstick funny in moments. They're, I envision all of them like in a small town version of Friends, right? <laughs> um, and uh, what was I going to say about Kristen besides that? Oh, there is no sex in these books. They, she um, tends toward, you know, turning the camera to the blowing curtain. Um, so if you are uncomfortable with sex and romance or you've never come to romance because you're afraid of the dirty, um, uh -huh. Kristen is a beautiful place to start. She is exceptionally talented and I think one of the best writers writing today. All right, we're going to talk about erotica now and BDSM. So... <laughs> So I'm glad I got Kristen out of the way. Fair warning. <laughs> uh, so they are, these are two questions that are very similar, so we're going to talk about them at the same time, but I will read both. Uh, okay, so 
Help! This question starts from Chelsea. A few years ago, I found The Siren by Tiffany Rice, and I've been steadily consuming her beautifully written and heart-wrenching BDSM erotica series, Original Sinners, uh, but now they're done, and I need more. More super hot romance with characters that are all tortured and broody, but in ways that aren't cliche, with writing that rivals some of the literary fiction out there. Bonus points if there are non-heteronormative or cis characters or storylines, uh, but BDSM is not necessarily must. Please know Fifty Shades. Okay, gotcha. Um, That's not a worry. Yeah. The second question starts, what can I read instead of Fifty Shades? <laughs> I'm interested, but the excerpts I've read are so awful. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we all know. I guess I could just power through, but I feel certain there's better written books if I want to try some harder romance or erotica. And this is from, oh, there's a nice note about how she loves you. She um, and uh, too. there's no signing, but yeah, so thanks for writing in. Do you want me to start with this one? Uh, yeah, whatever. All right. So when you say dark erotica, I took, I took you very seriously. And my first pick is Asking For It by Lila Pace, which is a pen name for a white uh, novelist. I don't know who it is, so, and even if I didn't want to tell you, but I don't know. Uh, but whoever this person is, oh my gosh. Okay, so... Asking for it is about a woman who fantasizes about being raped. So I was not kidding when I said dark. Uh, and she meets a man, she has a one night stand with a man who fantasizes about raping a woman. And they realize this about each other. Um, they have a night of very rough sex. And they realize that they both have this need that could be fulfilled by the other person. So they make an arrangement to, uh, they make some safe words, and the arrangement is that he will come find her in strange places in public when she is going on about her day and will rape her. I'm making scare quotes. Um, because she has pre-consented and she knows it's coming, but she doesn't know when. And that's the thing about it that, she, that excites her. Um, and it escalates, like the sex scenes get harder and harder, like, like literally harder and harder and harder and harder. Um, and then one of the, the big climactic scenes, and I'm not saying that to be punny, is he, they set up a kidnapping where he like breaks into her house and ties her, like hog ties her, punches her at one point, hog ties her, puts her in the back of a car, takes her to a cabin and like does the thing. So it's very dark. And I really enjoyed the sex in this book, which made me feel some kind of way about myself. <laughs> I tell you why. And that's, the, that's what I think is so genius about it, is you'll read this and you're like, you may, I mean, you might not enjoy it, you might be totally uncomfortable with it, but um, no matter how you feel about the fantasies that these two characters have, it's gonna make you interrogate your own, no matter what they are. Whether you're like, I don't like this, does that mean I'm too vanilla? Or I like this, does that mean I'm messed up? Or something, you know? And there were a lot of mixed responses to this book uh, because of the content, because of the, the fantasies that this woman has. And the thing about, I just want to say that there are some women out there who fantasize about it, you know, and they deserve to have books that are about the things that they want to experience. So, um, Well, in this character, Lila did a great deal of, res of research on women who have been sexually assaulted yeah. and then have, this is not an uncommon response right. to being a survivor. And the character has been raped. Like, she was raped before the book starts. And this is how she deals with it. And she's in therapy throughout the novel and talks to her therapist about her relationship with the hero, which is kind of a weird word in this situation. Um, and he's got his own trauma related to rape, where he, his father made him watch while he raped his mother. So they're, both of them are working through stuff and have weird... Well, that, it's not weird. I don't mean that at all. No. Have sexual fantasies that I do not personally relate to. Not weird. Um... But yeah, you'll learn a lot about your own stuff reading this book, and your responses will tell you a lot about yourself. 
What I really love about romance, and particularly the, the boom of erotica right now, is that there is this sort of general sense of, like, whatever your kink is, it's okay. Do the kink. And, like, that's how all women and men should feel about everything in their lives. Yeah. Like, if that turns you on, that's okay. Like, as long as you're not hurting people without their consent... It's okay. Um, my choice in this is, uh, because she said Tiffany Rice, uh, what I'm learning about this woman immediately is that she likes kind of twisted yeah. um, romance tropes. And I think one of the best uh, sort of what I say with fond, I don't use the word twisted in a negative way. I use it in a really fond way. I love it. Um, but one of the best twisted romance writers out there right now is Charlotte Stein, um, who uh, her first... The first book I read of hers was called Sheltered. It's, um, it was about a woman who was literally sheltered by her family. Her parents kept such close tabs on her that she couldn't leave the house. She could only leave the house for school. She had to be home. And like, um, there, there was an a older guy, not that much older, but in his 20s, who mowed the lawn next door. And they became, you know, they became kind of emotional lovers through the fence because she was only allowed into the backyard and then he saves her. Um, and it is deeply sexy and really emotional and Charlotte just does these like twisted dark she takes these twisted dark turns in really beautiful ways. She writes really lyrically. Um, she's incredibly talented. Her most the book that she's written most recently that I Adore is a book called um, Intrusion about, again, next-door neighbors. She must have a thing for her neighbor. <laughs> um, and the, uh, the, it's two sort of really deeply broken characters. Um, he never leaves his house. Um, and people think that she, that people in the neighborhood, like, he is not the guy where, where, like, he does something horrible. And then they say, like, he was such a nice guy. We don't know. Like, they're really, they think that if somebody in the neighborhood is going to commit a crime, it's going to be this guy. And um, the heroine is, uh, you know, is a, is a survivor of many, many things in her past. And these two people are deeply broken. And they are the only people who can heal each other. And it's pretty perfect. Um, so Charlotte Stein. Somebody just brought me coffee. I'm so happy right now. Okay, um, my second pick is A Strong Hand by Cat Ford, which has the greatest cover ever. It's just a butt. It's just a butt, like very nicely lit, but it's a butt. Okay, so A Strong Hand is a male-male BDSM between a famous photographer who uh, is famous for photographing, like, sexual stuff. And he is photographing... Pho photographing? <laughs> Photographing um, a BDSM uh, catalog, like BDSM tools, is that the right word? Toy, that's what I'm looking for. Tool. A BDSM, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, whatever. Anyway, um, he's photographing a catalog for a producer, a production company that makes toys for the BDSM community. And his production, his new production assistant is a young fellow who is kind of not great at his job and is very shy and soft spoken. And Real, they, uh, the photographer realizes that he wants to dominate this kid, and he's like a college student. And the the the, the photographer is consistently referred to in the book as the older man. He's thirty two, so <laughs> I am thirty. I am not the older woman in any situation. In a high school, I am not the older woman. So that's whatever. Um, you'll notice it because it's funny, but that it's the book is so great that you won't you won't care. And as they. The, the photographer is an experienced dom, and so there's a lot of 
kind of teaching moments in this book. So if you've never read a BDSM uh, erotica novel before and you don't know like the rules or the ins and outs, a lot of that is covered. The ins and outs, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I usually catch my puns pretty well, but that was good. Thank you. I'm going to put that one away for later use. Um, and the kid is not just realizing he likes being a submissive, but he's realizing that he's gay, which is a new, obviously, like, all of this is uncharted territory for me. Like, very literally, I don't know what to do with that. That right there. Um, so, yeah, lots of teaching moments. And they don't just, I mean, it's a romance. They, they fall in love. Like, their relationship is very strong, and they have a lot of personal conflicts that they have to overcome um, to be in love. But it's got, I, it's mostly sex, to be honest. Like, it's, it's, it has a happy ending. They love each other very much. 90% of the text is having sex. So, yay! <laughs> so, that's a strong hand by Cat Ford. Cover is a butt. Love it a lot. <laughs> Um, I would also, I just wanted to qualify, I realized I wanted to say something about Charlotte that I didn't say, which is, um, she also writes, many of her books are menage books, so um, if you're looking for sort of non-cis stories, um, she will provide those for you as well. Um, And if you go to her website, she's sorted everything very carefully um, for you to find your kink. Um, My... Second choice is somebody lighter, and after this whole discussion, I know. maybe we want somebody lighter for those who are um, looking. Um, I just recently, my sort of test is if I read one of your books and then I immediately buy your entire backlist, like sight unseen, and I just did this with somebody named Jane O'Reilly, who writes um, really, really fun, sexy, erotic novellas. Um, the series that I really like is called The Pleasure Principle, um, and it's about, you know, it's all sort of workplace, like, character, the, the con- there's very little conflict in them in the sense of, like, there's, not, there's nothing, they don't have to overcome, you know, major life events. Um, but there's uh, a terrific one, for example, where the heroine went on a terror, like, had a terrible boyfriend who put her on one of these, like, rape my bod sites, and, like, rated her sex terrible and her uh, boss just happens to run a sex club so she like (laughs) as as it is as Um, you do and so she goes and and, like he teaches her like he he of course she thinks she's cold and frigid and like a terrible person in bed and he's like no you're not I bet you know I can make you do everything and he does and it's amazing Um, and they're super fun and there's tons of banter and it's really like I literally read the first one and then I was like I'm just gonna buy everything this woman's ever written and I tore through them in like a day. So Jane O'Reilly, thank you for that day. (laughs) It was a good day. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. All right. Next question. Moving on. Um, Okay, so I asked you this over Twitter and you gave me a few authors to check. uh, I'd love it if you could talk more about your recommendations for romance novels with fantasy or sci-fi elements, but not vampires. Not into vampires. In general, I am not a big fan of the alpha male broody possessive hero type that causes the girl to lose her identity and all of her brain cells. I'm also not a big fan of insta-love or the claiming thing that some love (laughs) interests do in fantasy romance novels I've read. I guess you could say I like my romance with a little more feminist flavor. Ideally, it would be awesome to find an author who has an ongoing series of books that I can dive into. High heat level is fine. Uh, And that is from Elizabeth. Okay, so my first pick for this is the Dirk and Steel series from Marjorie Liu. Yeah, I'm so oh. glad you picked this. Yay, I love it. Uh, the first one is called Tiger Eye, and the books follow members of the Dirk and Steel, like a detective agency. That's the name of it. It's like a paranormal. I don't know if detective is the right word. I suppose they, they, they're fixers. 
They solve problems. And every member of this agency has some sort of psychic ability. They, they're clairvoyant. Um, they can manipulate metal with their minds. They just can see into your past and like into your deepest secrets. They all have different powers, and they use them to solve problems. And the first book is about a woman who can... She has an affinity with metal, and so she uses it to make weapons and art. Um, and she is in China on vacation and buys a little, a very uh, intricately carved little wooden box from a stall in a Chinese market. And when she takes it home and opens it, a super hot man pops out. <laughs> As it does. As it always should when I open a box. He's like, he's like seven feet tall and has multicolored hair and golden eyes and is like ripped and hates her immediately. Like he pops out of the box and is like glaring hatred, glaring. And she's like, what is, what? Like not only is everything I know about reality and time and space deteriorating before me, but this random guy hates me already. I haven't even said hello. I don't understand. <laughs> and so it turns out that he is a shapeshifter. He uh, can turn into a tiger hence the multicolored hair. And um, he was cursed a millennia ago by a magical guy to live in the box. He's basically like kind of a genie. He lives in this box. And when he's taken out of the box, when he's like summoned by whoever opens the box, he has to do with whatever they command him to do. But they don't get just three wishes. He is essentially their slave. And he's spent thousands of years being person after person after person's slave. And they've all treated him horribly and forced him to do a lot of really terrible things. And there is an, there's a kind of an insta-love situation happening here because they do fall for each other very immediately. But it's because of her psychic abilities. She, can, um, she touches his sword, not a euphemism, actual sword. <laughs> and, and because of her affinity with metal, she can, she can see his story. And she sees what a great person he is and how he's held on to his own sanity and goodness and humanity throughout all of the terrible things he's had to do. So she falls for him pretty fast. But it's not like, it's not lust disguised as love, if that makes any sense. And so they go on an adventure to try and figure out how to free him. He, his heart is healed by the fact that, that he finally has a person in his life who, who sees him as a human being. There's some weird tiger sex. So if that's a thing that like weirds you out, whatever. Um... <laughs> I mean, he asks her, there's a moment in the book where he's like, do you want me as the man or as the tiger? <laughs> and I had to be like, I actually don't know how I'd answer that question. <laughs> Based on what I know of this guy, who I really like a lot. Um, so that's the first book, it's Tiger Eye, and the rest of the series is awesome. Yeah, there's a merman in one that's really lovely. <laughs> and, yeah, it's such a good Shapeshifters. Um, so I think... Um, I'm going to recommend steampunk for this one. Um, and I, at first, first I was just going to recommend this one writer, and now I'm just going to say, like, steampunk romance in general can be really terrific. Um, Mel Jean Brooke does this. Uh, she wrote a book called The Iron Duke, and then, which then has a, you know, tremendous series that follows it, and so I highly recommend her. But the writer who I'm going to recommend now is Kristen Callahan, who um, I think wrote one of the best romance novels of last year, uh, which is a book called Evernight, um, which is number four in the Darkest London series, but I actually didn't read this series in order, and it worked really well for me anyway, so, you know, do as you will, mm -hmm. readers. Um, this uh, series, the, the heroine of this series can also manage metal. That yeah. didn't occur to me, um, but apparently this is a thing. And um, she creates a clockwork heart, which is placed inside the hero, who is part demon, Oh shoot, part vampire, so maybe I'm blowing this, but it's fine. It's I mean, it's a half demon, half vampire clockwork heart. Like this is not <laughs> this is not true blood, right? So um 
so uh, he, but what ends up happening is this heart, this clockwork heart that he, she's created for him as part of, you know, his villain has inserted into his body, starts to take him over. The metal starts to spread through his body and it starts to take him over. And because she can manage metal with her touch, she, he needs, while he hates her, he also needs her with him at all times to keep him alive because she can literally lay her hands on him and push the metal back and keep him alive, which makes for really terrific sexy time. Lots of touching. Yeah. Um, and it's also just a really, like, he's a full-on, this is a dirty talker hero. Those are my favorite. Victoria Dahl, shout out again. Like, but the, I mean, like, if you like dirty talk, this is, a, this is the book for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best one of these podcasts so far, right? No, yeah. <laughs> All right, so my next pick is called Grim Space by Anne Aguirre. Never said this out loud before. Aguirre, I know. I think this might be your last one. Anne Aguirre? Thank you. Anne Aguirre. Uh, it's the first in a series, the Sarintha Jack series, and I think they're on book six now. This is, if you like Firefly and have been like looking for a thing to fill the Firefly-shaped hole in your heart, this is the book that you need to read, <laughs> except if it had been captained by Mal as a woman, if that makes sense. Um, so it's like a space opera, western... Sexy times, great time. Um, so the, hero, the heroine can jump through grim space, which is a, it's a genetic anomaly in humans where they can, like how in Star Trek they do the, the, the what's it called? The warp drive. She's like a human warp drive. So she can guide ships through um, deep space as they're doing those jumps. And it burns you out. Like every time you do it, you lose a bit of your ability. You get a little unhealthy and a little more unhealthy and a little more unhealthy. And she's set up by the government to take the fall for one of those um, spaceships crashing. And she's rescued by this uh, rebel group that wants to take her on and have her help them overthrow this horrible corporate government situation that's happening. So there's like a lot going on here. It's very, it's very heavy sci-fi. Um, and she starts to fall in love with her pilot and he does not like her. Like, does not, does not like her. And turns out that he had a loved one who was on the ship that crashed, and he kind of blames her, and then all that comes out. And anyway, he can read her mind, also a problem. Um, she doesn't like him either. But she's, like, dirty talking. Not, not like that. But, like, she has a dirty mouth. Like, she curses a lot. Um, and she's selfish and, like, a cowboy. She's a cowboy. Does not give... And I'm sorry that you guys who are listening to this can't see what I'm doing with my hands right now. Um... <laughs> And I love her. I, she's just such a badass. She's a great character. And the romance between the two of them, it's a 70 sci-fi 30 romance. So if you're looking for something that's got a dash, this is a great dash. Yeah. Grim Space. Is that, is that, did you do this one? You want to do this one and then we'll be done? Yeah, I'll do the last one. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to skip one question, but maybe I could, we could do it online or yeah, something. Yeah, sure. um, so my last choice for this is actually the first paranormal romance I ever really read, um, which is uh, Pamela Palmer's Feral Warriors series. Um, and I, have no, I was one of those romance readers, right, who was like, no, paranormal, I'm not, like, no vampires, no shapeshifters. Like, yeah. I'm good with my, like, dukes and billionaires. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> But somebody recommended that I read Desire Untamed, which is the first book in uh, Pam's Feral Warrior series. And I came to this very skeptical because I, too, have a problem with insta-love because I just don't like, I don't feel like if you smell me, you really know enough (laughs) about me to know that we're 
to be yeah. together forever. Um, what I love about this is that this, so this series is about a group of shapeshifters in Washington, D.C., who are all set out to, you know, save the world, right? They've been doing this for millennia. Um, and there are 12 shapeshifters, uh, the leader of which is shapeshifts into a lion, because obviously. And he, um, and so they have lost the woman at the center of this shifting compound. There is a woman who can direct all their energy, not sexually. She literally just is their conduit for energy, for magical energy. Um, but she is usually paired with one of these 12 shifters, and he, they, she dies, and or one of them dies, uh, the former one dies, and they go to search for the new one. This is, all, this is the first in the series. And um, he finds her, and they are instantly bonded. And he's like, you're it. You're the one. And I'm like, uh, insta-love, <laughs> no. insta-love. smelled me. Um, except they go back and there's a ceremony where they, you know, make sure essentially the pairing is done magically and, you know, the cosmos agrees. And they're convinced that they're destined to be together and they're not. Ooh. And so it's just awesome. Like Pam takes the trope and twists it and it's really fun. And I really love all the characters. She, she really like makes them, they're all very well-rounded and there's a book for every one of the shifters and it's, you know, it's exactly as a romance series should be. Awesome. So that's all we have time for. Thank you guys for coming so much. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, you can go. Sure, go ahead. Whatever. Uh. <laughs> Wait, so uh, we're online, we'll do sci-fi, fantasy, romance, yeah. and holiday romances. Yeah, there were a few questions we didn't get to, and I will include them and our answers in the post on the site, um, since we didn't get to answer them on the show. Uh, if you want to meet Sarah or have her sign any of your books, she will be right out here as soon as we are done. And don't forget your book, Bats of the Republic. Thank you to Penguin Random House for sponsoring. It's in the back. Have a great show, guys. Yay! Thanks for having me, Book Riot. <laughs>